Hungry Howie's knows there's nothing better than pepperoni pizza, but the question is, which pepperoni reigns supreme? Now, you got the crispy, classic cupped pepperoni, you know, the satellite dishes, big fan. But why choose one when you get both? They got a pepperoni duo coming up. See, this is more up my alley right here. Pepperoni duo, you're getting the classic cup pepperoni, plus the original, plus 100% real cheese, unlike a lot of these other places around town. Get a large pepperoni duo, $9.99, only at Hungry Howie's. You realize we spend a third of our life sleeping? I know, stuck in traffic was a good guess, too. But now that you know you sleep so much, why aren't you sleeping on the most comfortable mattress arguably made in America? A brand new iComfort Eco by Serta. It's supportive and designed to keep you cool, comfortable, and feeling restored. Or check out Serta's perfect sleeper for pressure-relieving comfort and support while maintaining a balanced temperature. Serta mattresses made right here in Michigan, and they have been for over 110 years. Go to Serta.com. Find a retailer near you. That's Serta.com. All right, little special edition for everybody. Cash the ticket. Uh, Yes, while school is out for summer and Jim and I are not doing the full episodes and the full schedule, I told you I was going to get in here, uh, try to lay down some derby stuff, some triple crown stuff. You guys have said you want it. Um, But one thing, if you're getting this, make sure your notifications are still on. Uh, Kenny, Sir Pucks a lot, 5-0 in the playoffs. Uh, He will continue to release the hockey episodes Evan has done an incredible job with golf, uh, Sir Putz a lot, as we affectionately call him. Evan will continue the golf, um, and we'll keep it rolling. And there's nothing that nothing stops me from getting in here uh, and just dropping an episode when I feel like it. So I'm going to do that, and we'll make sure we we give you some appetizers in the off season uh, as we prepare for Week One of August and a full season two rollout. And and look, I mean, I'm not huge on you know, digging into the granular stuff, but one note in just helping you guys understand, I mean, you guys have been incredible, but I mean, this is a pod that in year one that basically started in the last two or three days of August. uh, And as we closed out March Madness, it's a podcast that did almost 3 million downloads. That's pretty awesome. And it's not the end for us. It's not where I expect it will stop. No, I mean, I I think we will continue to grow it. And I think it's a podcast that eventually, um, you know, you're, you're doubling and tripling and quadrupling that it takes time podcasts. Anyone who succeeded at pods will tell you it takes time. I don't need to give you the names, but they don't happen overnight. Um, so look, we're going to keep rolling year two. We got a lot of great stuff planned. We're going to do the studio renovation. We're going to get this thing going. Um, but you guys crushed it. So keep your notifications, subscribe and keep the reviews coming in. Um, so what I was going to do today, a little bit outside of telling you that Kenny's crushing it. Uh, I wanted to do a little bit of a derby look ahead. So we're going to do this a couple ways. I will do a derby megapod the week of the race. I'll give you a full breakdown, talk about all 20 horses, uh, and it'll be the actual bets. What I wanted to do today was lay the groundwork, meaning I want to do a little bit about understanding the Kentucky Derby. I want to do a little bit about going to the Kentucky Derby. I know a lot of you guys enjoyed the travel guides to places like Gulfstream, Keeneland, Saratoga. Um, then I'll talk about cap in the Derby, and then we can have a debate about whether the favorite who towers over the field, Forte, a horse we talked about for the Fountain of Youth and Florida Derby, whether he has a fatal flaw. 
Um, and we'll get to that. So let's party. Um, I think the first thing I wanted to do was this. Look, I understand for many of you, you're going to hear Kentucky Derby horse racing go, that's eh, that's bullshit. That's not my thing. Um, I would re-explore that if I were you. Uh, I've been lucky enough to go to four of them. Um, I am due to get back. I haven't gone since the year. I want to make sure I'm right about this. I believe the last one I was at was American Pharaoh. Um, it is more than just an event. Um, I would compare it to college football. When you go to one of the cathedrals of college football, you know, you go to an Ohio State, a Michigan, a Notre Dame, an LSU, um, whatever it may be for you. Um, it's like that. NFL fans, I would compare it to going to a place like Lambeau or going to a Super Bowl. Um, it's a pilgrimage. For some of you, and I know it's an older generation that does it, it's a lot like Major League Baseball. You go see a game at Wrigley, a game at Fenway. Maybe you do a, a summer, you know, two or three stop ballpark tour. I know people do that. You have to view it that it's a pilgrimage, that it's something you're doing because it's bigger than the actual event. The event is cultural. The event is iconic. The event means so much to so many people. And I will tell you this, and I think it's a decent sales pitch. I'm a New Yorker. I grew up with zero. Um, I love the city. I never really intended on having a backyard or, you know, a house. I, I wanted to live in a city. Um, obviously, I love where I live now, and Detroit's a great place to be. But Kentucky's a different world. It's a complete different planet from the way I grew up and the way I live. And I will tell you, it's fucking awesome. Kentucky is an awesome place. Uh, I'm it's not without problems. It's not perfect, clearly. Um, but I'm telling you, this event is so much more than a day or two, and we'll get to that at the track. You make this event a vacation. You make this, whether it's a boys trip, whether it's a couple's trip, you make this something. You go down there for four or five days. Uh, you go down there and hit the bourbon trail. Uh, you don't even have to be a big drinker. Uh, you don't even have to care. You can just go through horse country, get a tour of one of the famous horse farms. And when I say horse farm, this ain't old McDonald's bullshit, right? This ain't old McDonald's farm. You're going to see chickens running around. We're talking about billion-dollar operations. Think Augusta National with horses, all right? You make it into something. So understand that while I didn't grow up with the Kentucky Derby, I didn't grow up in Kentucky. Um, it's an event that is special to me. It's an event and in a place that has become special to me. And I've, I've been very lucky to spend a good amount of time down there. Um, just don't overlook it. You can think whatever you want about horse racing. You can think whatever you want about the game. Um, but just don't overlook this. And while I think there are easier events to attend, there are certainly more affordable events to attend. Uh, this is one that it is one of the great American sporting events. And there's a whole lot of people it means a whole lot to. And there's a whole world around it that you can plan a, a real once in a lifetime few days for you and the people you care about. So keep it in mind. I'm not telling you it's easy. And we're going to get to that next part. I'm not going to tell you it's affordable. It's not. Um, but you have to decide how much you want to do it. That's really all it boils down to in life. For some people, they want to go to a certain place on this planet and they save up to do it and they go 
and it's a bucket list thing. That's what this is. You have to view it differently. So going to the Derby, um, the travel guide is this. These are This is advice from someone who's done four of these and who will do a fifth and a sixth. And look, it's just, you're not going to do it every year. And if you're going to plan it, here's my advice. You need to plan a year in advance. You need to know you plan on going to the Derby the following year and begin the groundwork with a place to stay because the city of Louisville and the surrounding areas is short on hotels. It doesn't have the amount of hotels you would need or that a major metropolis has. Second of all, I'm not big on paying quadruple or five times, six times the amount to stay at a very basic hotel. Not doing it. Not when I can rent someone's home. So it begins there. Verbo, Airbnb, or whatever service you like. Get a place to stay. Um, This event is going to require a group. Because whether you plan on, you know, you're in your early 20s and you want to party and do this infield thing, or they used to have this party deck sponsored by a beer company, you can do that. But you got to have a group. And if you're an adult, And you've left those days long behind like I have. um, And you want to get box seats and you want to be undercover because of the inclement weather. uh, You're going to need six people because you have to have six seats and you have to buy them all. And they're going to make you buy Oaks Day, which is Friday for the ladies. And they're going to make you buy, obviously, Derby Day. It's a two-day pass. And it's going to cost you. Now, beyond that, the world is your oyster. Um. The blessing and the curse of Churchill Downs and what they've done with this event is it's the opposite of homogenizing every seat. There are dozens of zones, color-coded zones at different price points with different amenities, different levels. You can make this as much or as little as you want. I look every year you're going to turn this thing on and go, oh my God, it's Tom Brady or oh my God, it's Aaron Rodgers. I have never set foot uh, in that portion of the trek. You know, the millionaires row stuff, often those people you see there are invited guests. They're not paying a dime. Um, There are great indoor portions of this track, but if you just want to go and experience it, you get a ticket, a box under cover because I swear to God, It always rains Kentucky Derby weekend and you get it as close to the finish line as your budget can handle. And whether that's, you know, mid stretch, close, maybe even a little past the finish line. It's an unbelievable two days. And that's the other key. Do not skip Oaks Day. This is not like any other event. Oaks Day for the ladies, the Kentucky Oaks. It's it's the Derby for the Phillies. Um, It's a huge day. Even now, locals have begun making the Thursday of Derby Week. Thurby is what they call it. Uh, They pack the house on on Thursday. But Friday's a wonderful day, a little bit slower of a pace. It'll be crowded, but not. You've never seen anything like Derby Day. It is pandemonium, 125,000 plus pandemonium. And that's part of the reason you're there. Um, But enjoy both days. Spend the extra money. I am not here to tell you it's affordable. It's not. You have to decide how bad you want this trip. And I guess the way I've always rationalized it, 
you know, whether you are in your 20s now or you're a has-been like me, I mean, think about, for the boys at least, how many times you did a Vegas weekend and these guys going to the nightclub, bottle service, this, that, and the other thing, and spending thousands. Well, if you're willing to do that and not remember 90% of your night, then why the fuck are you giving me static about going to the Kentucky Derby? It's priorities, man. Um, plan a year in advance. Get a house. Get a group of people who understand what they're getting into. Box seats with cover. As much as your budget can handle. Do not skip Oaks Day. And I, if possible, I would attach a day or two to this trip. Go explore the surrounding areas. You're about an hour and a half from Lexington. The space between Louisville and Lexington is bourbon country. And it's some of the most beautiful real estate on earth. Gorgeous rolling hills, immaculate horse farms. Um, Lexington's a wonderful town as well, where Keeneland is. You can listen to that travel guide. I'm sure that's somewhere in your timeline. Um, but make something of it. Going to the bourbon distilleries, uh, free. You know, there's a nominal fee if you want to sign up for a tour, actually learn how the sauce is made, 20, 30 bucks tops. And you can make that a day and just learn more. You're going to understand it's in the culture. So that's the travel guide to it. The other thing, drive, not fly if possible. I mean, the airlines absolutely fucking crush you to fly down there. And I've done it both ways. I love the road trip. I love having my vehicle. I love taking the time to drive down. And honestly, I'd rather gamble and, 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 and eat the fucking money than give it to an airline for, you know, basically an hour and 10 minute flight um, on a, a pencil in the sky. I mean, the planes are tiny that go down there. I, I don't, I'm not big on the Buddy Holly plane. Um, so that is how you do the Derby. The rest of it, I leave to you. Phenomenal restaurants. Um, great bars, if that's your thing. Um, it, it's a different world. It's no different than going down to the SEC and seeing a football game or going to Big Ten country if you're not from Big Ten country. It's a different fucking world, man. And there's a big world out there. Get out of your comfort zone. Explore something. But um, if you're going to do it, understand the sticker shock is real. So just be prepared and remember these words. It is not affordable. So it's up to you how bad you want it. Derby prep, done. All right, let's talk about capping the Derby. Because the Derby is a very unique event. And for many, it's the one race a year they're going to watch, the one race a year they'll attempt to bet. Um, and I want to start with the, the biggest thing. It's the field. These horses have never raced in, nor will ever race in a field of this size again, unless they go international and end up uh, over in the Middle East uh, running in a massive 20 horse field. It just does not happen in American racing. Full stop. This is the first time they've ever lined up with 20. And for 99% of horses, it will be the only time they ever line up. So off the top, I will tell you the first seven seconds of this race, many, many, many times, while you can't win the race in the first seven seconds, you can lose it. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, there was a wonderful uh, horse I really liked. Uh, his race day ended the first, I don't know, three strides, horse named Mendelssohn. Uh, he was a very expensive horse. I think he was a $2 million purchase, maybe more. 
Um, and he got checked. You may as well have had Bob Probert next to him uh, in the gate. And he just got absolutely slammed. Full momentum stopped. His race day was over. Done. You, you can absolutely lose any hope of winning at that start. Uh, 20 horses, for lack of a better term, and I know it lacks a little bit of nuance, it is a bit of a demolition derby. So capping this, and we'll get to this during the Megapod, your draw is very important. How you break on the outside versus how you break towards the rail, um, being stuck dead middle, what type of horse you are, do you want the lead, do you want to rate, stalk, whatever term you want to use, do you want to drop to the back and make one big run? Well, all of that and where you line up and how you break and how the people around you break impact how your day is going to go. And, you know, I always laugh when people, oh, well, the jockey's just along for the, I mean, people have the stupidest opinions about horse racing. Jockeys are so vital because they have to make split second decisions. It's no different than like Lewis Hamilton driving, you know, his Mercedes in F1 and acting like, well, the car just does all the work. That's fucking bullshit. Lewis Hamilton is making these split second decisions and stacking the right decision hundreds of times during a race and pairing it with an elite vehicle or ride in order to get the results he gets. Jockeys are no different. Sure, if you don't have the horse, you're probably fucked. But everyone's got a decent horse in the Derby. Everyone. And last year, I mean, we saw Rich Strike get in because a horse scratched late. And the ride by uh, Leon, the jockey, was absolutely incredible. He made three or four moves and decisions that, yeah, he needed to break the right way. Um, look, that, that was his greatest day of his life. He'll never duplicate it. I don't think he's an elite jockey. But on that day, these moments were presented to him. An opening, a seam, a moment. And he not only made the right decision at the right moment, but he made a series of them that allowed that stirring run down the stretch at 100 to 1. Um, but the point I'm making to you is when you begin to cap this, understand your day can be over real quick. And it has nothing to do with anything you did. So an example of that would be uh, a horse I love and I'm ready to be hurt again. Uh, you've heard me talk about him before, horse named Mage. Fountain of Youth, Florida Derby. He was the it horse. He's lost to Forte twice. And I will argue, and this will be a bigger part of the Forte Fatal Flaw segment. Guys, if this horse would learn to get out of the fucking gate, I'd argue he would have beaten Forte twice. This horse has a heart of gold. This horse runs his absolute, no pun intended, he runs his dick off. But he just can't get out of the fucking gate. This is a horse that wants to be up front, but because of his starts in the two biggest races of his life, has broken essentially dead last. And yet there he fucking was in contention in both and certainly more so in the Florida Derby where he was in the lead, down the stretch, and it took Forte everything to overcome that and pass him in the final strides. On Derby Day, if Mage can't fucking get his life together and learn how to break, he's dead. Because you break badly in an eight-horse field, 
it's hard enough. You break bad with 20. Oh, and by the way, it could potentially be raining and mud and kickback and getting checked. You're dead. You're dead. So Mage is one of those horses. Break well, get lead, get in front group, get comfortable. Oh, very fucking dangerous. Very. Don't break well. Bye-bye. And that's part of the handicap. The other angle's the distance. It's going to be a little bit further for these horses. Now, it doesn't sound like much to you. But when these horses are babies, you got eight furlongs in a mile, right? These horses will start out in races sometimes as short as five and a half furlongs. Six is a dead sprint. Up to seven. Up to the mile. Maybe you go a mile and a sixteenth. Or like the Florida Derby, you go a mile and an eighth. The Kentucky Derby's a mile and a quarter. It's going to be the furthest most of these horses will, will have gone or will ever go. It takes a lot for a horse to want to go further. Now, look, everybody knows the distance of the Belmont, the test of a champion. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a unique niche distance that horses just aren't asked to go. And it, it, look, some horses end up as specialists, if you will. You know, in Europe, they run extremely long races, but the Belmont is going to go a mile and a half. This is a mile and a quarter. And in between, they bring it back. Preakness. So the distance, this is where reading will come in. Because if you're a salty vet, you know what I'm going to say to you. You're going to handicap the horse. You're going to look at the family. You're going to look at the breeding. You're going to look at whether the horse wants to go a little further. I happen to think there's a bomb in this race, especially if it rains, that is bred to go far. That wants a little more distance. We'll get to that later. So you're talking about field size. You're talking about the post draw. You're talking about the distance. And then what I call the prevailing traits of a winner of the Kentucky Derby. Generally speaking, do not freak out. You're always going to be able to cite things. But generally speaking, you want a horse that's on the front end. Somewhere in that front group. Lately, it's been like, you know, always dreaming winning it a few years ago in a wire-to-wire format. You want the horse that's going to grab the lead, get comfortable, and go. Now, last year was different because they ran a ridiculous, nuclear, artificial, and downright stupid pace. They just decided to light each other on fire up front. And that allowed for Rich Strike to do what he was doing. Um... You're not going to get that most Kentucky Derbies because here's what happens. And if you're a horse racing better and a, and a veteran, and especially if you bet the New York circuit, you know what I'm going to say here. It's going to be a little bit of a rant, but work with me. So many riders ride fucking scared. No, I'm in no position to tell you that I'm ready to hop on a, a freight train and ride with my toes being the only thing that hold me there. Get a little off balance. Fall off horse at 40 miles an hour, dead. I'm not saying that. I'm saying riders from a style do not ride aggressively. There are just so many riders. You end up, you don't want to finish last. So you end up never running for first. You end up running for second, riding for second. Certain races are begging for someone to take them by the reins and fucking ride. Take the lead. Dictate pace and do the job. And a lot of times, 
Nobody wants to fucking go do it. And even more often when someone does, they let them get away with it. So when a horse is allowed to get up front for our, for our beginners out there, if a horse is allowed to get up front and then slow it down, that horse is a major fucking threat because they got the lead, no kickback, got confident. Horses can get brave when they're on the front end. They're pack animals. And when they run and they are in the lead and they know they're alone and then the jockey taps them a little bit, grabs a little bit of a hold of them and goes, Hey, catch your breath for a minute. We're good. We're just out here having a good time. That's a major fucking problem for the rest of the field. Now, if you're riding aggressively and you see what's going on and jockeys have the internal clock, they are incredible, incredible. You see that's going on. It's indicative. It is, it is duty to me. Somebody go up there and bust their fucking balls. No free rides. Same thing in basketball. No easy buckets. Get up there and you go, listen, you want to slow this thing down? Too bad. Because at a minimum, I'm going to be sitting on your fucking shoulder and breathing in your ear. But a lot of times, you'll see it. And especially in New York these days, nobody wants to go up and get it done. There's one rider. I'll, I don't want to geek out. The point is very few riders uh, are willing to get up and challenge. Um, you'll see a lot of races where everybody kind of looks around and it's the Spider-Man meme. Well, who, me? You? Who's on first? Who's on third? I don't know. I'm on second. Nobody wants to fucking lead. And then some idiot wins the race. I digress. But the point is you want a horse that's generally going to be up front. I think it's always important to start the race with the perceived favorite. I handicap every race of my life this way. Start with the favorite. Can I beat him? Find a way to beat him. And believe me, you're going to look stupid sometimes. I'm the same asshole who tried to beat American Pharaoh. Um, learn my lesson with Justify. Sometimes greatness is just greatness. But I don't know that Forte is great. I just think he's the best of a very mediocre three-year-old group, meaning history's not going to look back at 2023 and go, that collection of three-year-olds was absolutely fabulous. It's not going to happen, but Forte's the best of them, but we'll get to him momentarily. Identify the favorites, identify potential greatness. Can you play against it or you do? You just need to acquiesce, tip your cap and go, this horse is a fucking machine and I got to find a way to make money with him by who's going to finish behind him. The other one is in the back of your, your pocket, whether you're just Googling, whether you're studying, look for the wet pedigree. Look for horses that want to run in moisture because more often than not, you're going to have rain on Derby Day. And certain horses just will not run in that shit. Other horses won't perform in anything but it. It's crazy, I know, but the breeding often dictates it. So, let me break this down for you. I'll give you a little guide. Just a little guide on the field. We talk about the horses you want that are up front. So, I kind of divided this. Now, understand that Forte is a horse I think I could move between two groupings. Here are the horses that I think want the lead. The NBA playoffs are underway and you want to get to the game? 
Me too, but I'm a Pistons fan. Let me live through you. Get your tickets with Game Time. Game Time is an authorized ticket marketplace of the NBA, which means you're getting your playoff tickets even faster. Prices on Game Time actually go down closer to tip-off. Save up to 60% buy on last minute for sports, concerts, comedy, whatever. Like, let's look at the Denver Nuggets. Reigning champs, hot ticket. You click on the uh, the game in the app. Flash deals, under 300 bucks. Yellow lightning bolt, it stands out. Red fire emoji, cheapest seat, 115 bucks, And that's all in pricing. That's no surprise fees at checkout. I've used game time to buy Red Wings tickets. Nothing better than going to a baseball game day of. Boom, boom, you click in, easy to navigate. Take the guesswork out of buying NBA tickets with game time. Download the game time app and create an account. Use that code CASH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code Cash C A S H for twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops, or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Kings Barnes, verifying, and then the Japanese entry, Derma Sotogake. Now, you'll laugh and go, wait a minute, Japanese horses. Well, they've never won the Derby. I'm going to tell you this, and I don't think it's controversial. It's just an opinion. Some will agree. Some will disagree. A Japanese horse is going to win the Kentucky Derby at some point, and I think soon. It's the same argument as a 16 beating a one in college basketball. Um it was eventually going to happen. And now that it has happened, it can happen many more times. I, This Japanese horse, Derma Sotogake, I, I would tell you be very careful if that horse gets the lead, gets comfortable, gets brave. But that's one of the lead horses. So there's three horses to me that absolutely have to have the lead and will go for it. It's Kings Barnes verifying and Derma Sotogake. I think Mage, in, in, in an alternate universe where this horse doesn't trip over his dick out of the gate and breaks, I think Mage wants the lead. But he's shown no ability to get it. Not in the big races. So the next grouping would be what you consider stalkers. Horses that'll sit off the lead, get comfortable, and then they get what's called first run. Going to start around that, that far turn, crank the engines, and go hope you're comfortable because now we're coming. Um, Mage is going to be in that group or he's dead. Uh, but you could also say, Mike, he never breaks. He's more of a kind of a mid to backpack horse. Um, I think confidence game is one of those horses that'll be in that mix. I think reincarnate, uh, horse who broke my heart in the, in the, uh, Arkansas Derby rocket can just did not run well that day. Didn't frankly, didn't run a fucking step. Uh, but rocket can will be in that mix. Um, the mid pack horses, these are technically closers, but they're not dead closers. These are horses that'll probably be 
Gee, I don't know, guys. Several lengths off the lead. How about that? Several. More than a half dozen. Forte will probably be in that group, but I could argue Forte's capable of being closer to the lead, but he hasn't been. Tapatrice, um, almost made him a dead closer, but Tapatrice won the Tampa Bay Derby. He just doesn't have any early speed. And you'll go, well, Mike, how the fuck does a horse who doesn't have speed win a race? Well, because he grinds you down late. He just keeps working. And he's a grinder. He doesn't have that beautiful, you know, like justify what I like justify our American Pharaoh. Their, their cruising speed was just like a finely tuned sports car on the open road cruising at 80 miles an hour. Oh, the car had so much more to give you, but you were just cruising. And when you put that pedal down, it was effortless versus somebody driving next to you in a little four-cylinder. Oh, their cruising speed's probably 55. Um, they were they were a different breed. Well, Tapatrice's cruising speed is like driving a U-Haul with a governor. But that horse is going to come running. Um, there are a couple others in the mid-pack, and I'm going to give you one to keep your eye on. Keep your eye on a horse I think everyone's going to forget about. Um, he, it's a minor trainer, Larry Ravelli. A horse named Two Fills, Midwestern horse. Uh, if it rains, A, Two Fills is bred to want more distance. B, if it rains, everything in that pedigree suggests this horse wants that. Uh, and you're going to get a price. I will be stunned if that horse is less than 20 to 1. But Two Fills is a bomb. Uh, that I'm, I'm, look, I'm not, I don't know who I'm using yet. I'm just telling you who I got my eye on. Two fills will be in that mid-pack. Now, here's the toughest way to win the Kentucky Derby is to be a pure dead closer. A um, couple of them. I mean, Lord Miles won the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct at 60 to one. Good luck. Blazing sevens. Uh, I got nothing for you with that horse. Um, Run Thunder, Sun Thunder. Here's the horse I think is interesting. If you're like Mike, give me one from each of the groupings who could win the race. Give me a leader. I'd actually tell you, you know what? Maybe Dermasota Gake at a big price. Give me a stalker. Give me that, 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 that the next group. I'll take Mage because I'm ready to be hurt again. Mid-pack. Look, it's clear you'd have to select Forte, but I'm telling you two fills is really interesting to me. And then a dead closer. I'll give you one. Angel of Empire. Brad Cox, great trainer, um, great performance in the Arkansas Derby. And I actually think this horse, if it can work out a trip, is primed for a huge performance. Now, again, navigating a 20-horse field and needing pace up front to run into. Remember, if the pace is slow, these closers are fucked because you're not going to be able to pass tiring horses. I don't know if the pace will be there. I don't. You know, again, we got three horses out of a 20-horse field that want to go. I don't think they're going to try to set some crazy pace because they can't win it. You can't win it playing catch me if you can. Um, but if I had to pick one of each of the groupings, I'd give you Derma Sotagake as a leader, Mage out of the secondary group, two fills out of the third group. Yes, you could take Forte. I hate favorites. And then at a price, again, I wonder if this will become a little bit of an it horse. Probably around 20 to 1 right now. I wonder if it becomes a little bit of an it horse on Derby Day and the number goes down Angel of Empire. 
But that's how you would break the field down stylistically. And that brings me to the last piece to the puzzle. Does Forte have a fatal flaw? So, first of all, it's a great horse. Two-year-old champion, comes back at three, debuts in the Fountain of Youth, smashes by four and a half, um, beats Rocket Can, who's in this race, beats Mage, who's in this race, comes back in the Florida Derby. Now, I told you, I thought there were about six tomato cans in that race, and it wasn't a great Florida Derby field. And Forte, I don't want to upset anybody, Forte should have lost. He won the race, but to me, Mage ran an absolutely fucking huge race. Again, the problem, this horse breaks with his hooves in concrete. But Mage in the lead, full out drive, you're screaming wire, get home, get home. And Forte just stride by stride, ground him down, finished him off in the last, you know, 20 yards. I could make a case to you that with an average break, average break, Mage guarantee beats Forte once. And you could have the conversation, albeit it might be a losing argument. Fountain of Youth could have beat him. But I will tell you, you ask anybody in horse racing, if Mage even broke remotely average in the Florida Derby, he beats Forte. He beats him. Forte's fatal flaw to me is this, that while he is versatile and he can be a little further back and make one big run, he can be a little closer and get first run. I always worry about horses that need some pace. And I worry about horses who are intentionally going to put themselves behind traffic because the Kentucky Derby is midtown Manhattan seven o'clock on a Friday night. It's crowded. Anything goes wrong. Forte's chances get greatly reduced. Forte's really good. All right. I'm not bullshitting you, but I think by Derby day, you're looking at a horse that might go off at five to two or in a more, how about this? Two and a half to one, two to one. I, he's going to be, I think a prohibitive favorite. And I just, Look, when you look at prohibitive derby favorites, I can't put Forte in a class like Justify or any of that. I mean, I, I think he's a very good horse. I don't think he's this all-time great. Now, maybe he goes out in the derby and smashes and trots away to a huge victory, goes on to win the triple ground, and, and then he becomes great. Um, I just have a real issue, and it's not the horse's fault. I have a real issue that I, I just, there are no great horses this year. There's a lot of good ones. But there was a prevailing thought, if you follow horse racing, that if you didn't have Forte in your Kentucky Derby prep race, then it just wasn't that good of a race. Now, is that because Forte's that great? No, it's because no one else really stepped forward. I think Mage has given the most compelling case. He just can't fucking leave the gate. But no one else has really popped up to be this superstar horse. I mean, I loved what Angel of Empire did in, in beating everybody in the Arkansas Derby and doing it pretty damn impressively, but I'm not ready to go crazy there. So I just think the fatal flaw can be the horse leaves himself a little bit of work to do. And in the case of the Florida Derby, he left himself a lot of work to do. And I know he did it and I know he's capable of doing it again. 
Um, but I go into the Kentucky Derby. I, I do try to beat favorites, and that's why I haven't done well lately. Uh, favorites have been winning. Not last year, they didn't. Not with that fucking bomb. Um, but I just feel like there's going to be an opportunity to play against Forte here. We'll see where he draws. We'll see what it looks like. I'm not going to give out anything. But if you ask me about a fatal flaw for the Kentucky Derby, I think it is a horse that gets comfortable leaving a lot of work to do. And then you got to do it in the most difficult race to do it based on the traffic, based on will there be pace to run into? Um, I mean, you talk about if Forte runs in the Preakness, if Forte runs in the Belmont, that's different. Smaller fields, standardized, cleaner trip, a little bit more. I, I can influence things a little more. I will be fascinated to see where Forte draws. And that will dictate a lot of how I view him as well. So there's your kind of derby megapod part one. Everything from travel to the event to how to cap it, how to view it, and whether we have a rock-solid favorite or not. I, I think Forte, clearly, good horse. If I had to rate him as a favorite, I think he'd be a solid B. I'm not going to make him some A-plus horse that can't be beaten. Fuck that. Because I was at his last two races. And I'm telling you, the Florida Derby, he was dead to fucking rights if Mage didn't break the gate like DiCaprio on Quaaludes at the country club. He was dead. And maybe that's just how I am. I want to beat favorites, and I'm stubborn, and whatever. I'll get butchered on Derby Day. Um, so, look, if you made it to this point, you are uh, you're a horse racing legend. And if you didn't, well, you're not hearing what I'm saying anyway, so fuck it. Uh, we'll give you the Derby Megapod week of the race. Kenny's crushing the hockey. Evan's crushing the golf. And we'll probably get in here as the NBA playoffs sort out. Uh, but it's just going to be more intermittent, more seat of our pants as we take a little bit of a summer sabbatical. So thanks for listening. I, I had fun doing it. Uh, if, if you liked any of the horse racing stuff, feel free to leave a review. It lets me know that someone's out there because uh, this is something I can't do on my radio show. But I sure as hell, I fucking enjoy it. So we'll talk to you guys soon. That's Cash the Ticket.